coming up tonight on your favorite podcast, We Made It. End of the football season. It took us a few days to let it kind of sink in, let us kind of marinate on what happened. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the game, the aftermath. What can we expect in the future now that we have wrapped up the 2024 football season? We should also add that before we get into that podcast, we'll just say this on behalf of the podcast because we probably won't try to talk too much about it in the pod because we try to keep our topics and our thoughts specific to the event itself. But we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the shooting at the parade today for the Chiefs. It's another just kind of senseless thing, but it's kind of become par for the course around here. Uh, If you don't uh, get a handle on behavior, if you don't get a handle on, on how we conduct ourselves in public and what we expect from each other and our commitment to our fellow man and all that stuff, this kind of stuff will continue to happen. So that's that. Podcast tonight. Zach, Ryan, me, next. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we go. On the pop. Yep, that's right. It is the Tim Anderson Podcast. I'm Tim. That is my buddy Rhino over there just uh, joining us late because he has to pack. He is on his way to the shores of Mexico. Yeah, I can't wait. Pack. Yeah, he had to pack on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day after the kid goes to sleep, he has to pack. Besides, what are you honestly going to pack? You're going to wear like the same two pairs of shorts. You're going to barely have a shirt on. So they they do require at the resort for uh, uh, for dinner, you do have to wear like uh, a button down shirt and pants and like closed toed shoes. What? So for dinner? To, yeah. So I'm bringing I'm bringing new I'm, I'm bringing like nice shirts for. I don't for think dinners. I even own a button down shirt. I wouldn't even be allowed to go to dinner. Can I wear a polo instead? Is that okay? You can get the I think you can. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, can I do a Hawaiian? Oh, yeah, I'll do a Hawaiian shirt. There you go, Ryan. That would work for you. I, I'm bringing a couple Hawaiian shirts. Just uh, whatever you my do. Hair's, hair's let's try to keep up. the. Let's try to keep the. Let's just try to keep the the beach pictures uh, to a minimum. Like just well, slow it down think, a little bit. Yeah, you've got nothing to worry about there. Appreciate that. Thank you. And of course, we're joined on the other side by the coach, uh, the coordinator, the owner, uh, recovering recovering from a uh, tough illness over the weekend, but he's back. The coach, Zach Neighbor, how are you, Zach? Uh, doing well, Tim. It was uh, not fun here this weekend. Everyone was out. Everyone was, except except Carter, I guess. Carter has managed to avoid it. Um, credit to him, he locks himself in his room 90% of the time <laughs> or is at uh, River's house or out with River. So that, uh, I guess, has made him immune to all this. He is immune. He's he's not bothered by the conditions, and uh, he's his room might be the safest place in the United States as far as germs are concerned. Might be something it, to look at. It very well could be. 
Maybe you, do you have to wear a special hat? Is it like Bubble Boy where you have to only, where you can only go into his room through like a very special two glove system and everybody's in a, like a special hyperbaric chamber? Is that possible? Uh, no, I would, I would not say it's a bastion of cleanliness in there. Okay. But so he's fighting off the germs with his, you know, dirty clothes on the floor and it seems to be holding it at bay. The dirty clothes, the pop cans, the, you know, cardboard from the pizza. <laughs> He's works, got, maybe we need to get Fauci to call him right away. We could have solved the whole COVID thing years ago if we would have just known that. Yeah. Just a few pizza. Could you, I'm just there. picturing Fauci in those press conferences going, you know, if you just make sure you don't throw away your pizza boxes and make sure you have your pop cans out the whole night, you'll be fine. I, you know, I think there's got to be something to Chick-fil-A because he comes home with a Chick-fil-A cup, you know, four or five times a week. <laughs> Ryan just said today that he's not a Chick-fil-A guy. In fact, he said Casey's chicken sandwich better than Chick-fil-A. Ryan. Yeah. Are you prepared to defend that right here on the pod? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, look, I don't know what Casey's does with their with their chicken sandwiches, but it's just pretty good. I really like it. Now, here's the thing. The reason I don't like chick-fil-a as much i'm not saying it's a bad sandwich be really clear it's a good sandwich the reason i go the other way that most people go on chick-fil-a because of the jesus stuff isn't it it's like the lord's chicken sandwich and you just won't uh you won't have it really isn't i think their chicken nuggets are the best right i'll 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 listen to that i think their chicken nuggets are are fantastic their chicken sandwich gets a little soggy for me Mm. uh the the breading isn't quite as crisp as I like. Popeyes, great, super crisp. KFC, good and crisp, nice, you know, nice and golden. And that's really where Casey's won me today. Uh, if we get into a little bit of a, a food pod here, is Casey's chicken spicy chicken sandwich is off the chain. It's really good. Uh, it needs a little bit of mayo, I think, or maybe it's just a little bit of ranch dressing on it. And, oh boy, so good, nice and crispy, good and spicy, not over the top. It's very very good. <laughs> The pickles are elite. I have not had that sandwich, I must say. I'm a Casey's breakfast pizza guy at best, and that's probably about it. I'll be honest with you. I just I'm not sure no. why you guys go to Casey's when you got uh Quick Trip right up the road, but Yeah, Quick Trip's right there, and sometimes I'll go there instead because I get a few more options on some things, but Casey's is right across the street. And if you are trying to get something done on your prep period, you can just zip right over, zip right back, and that's kind of nice. Yeah, I do like that. avoid the homeless guy by the get in, get out. And- yeah, well, that's true. But listen, he's a he's a he's harmless, and you know, occasionally if you throw him a, a sixpence, he leaves you alone for a little while, and everything's good. You know, it is what it is. It's fine. So, uh, guys, we made it. I want to say congratulations to us. Uh, our fourth straight football season. We have gotten to the end. We made it. We're here, and what do you know? We're celebrating another Chiefs victory. Well, I don't know if we're celebrating it. Certainly not in the case of Ryan. Um, Ryan, who's one of those conspiracy theorist guys, uh, believes that the league is rigged. Um, believes well, the you know you're you're buying into Will Compton's stuff now, where you're saying, "Yep, the, it's WWE, totally rigged, totally fake." You knew it the whole time. Uh, are you, but yeah, we still made it another season. Ryan, you okay? Look, I, I don't appreciate the the smearing here. <laughs> That it's, uh, that what what are we talking about here? No, no, I, no. Are I, you I'm not gonna never suggested that the league is rigged. 
You've never suggested it. I'm suggesting that perhaps there are some biases among the referees, but I don't think the league is making calls. Uh, noted. We'll try to separate I, those. We'll, we'll parse that out here as we go through the language. I, I wonder. I wonder if the referees maybe have a gambling account with uh, with Bovada uh, that we can <laughs> that we can audit. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not claiming that Roger Goodell is okaying a script at the beginning of the year. On on that note, though, <laughs> you mean Zan Hukili uh, doesn't have an account with FanDuel right now to uh, monitor the games. I did. I'm sick of seeing all the um, the the screenshots of like, oh, look at this lineman. He was a yard and a half downfield. You know, the the rest not calling it on purpose, or you know, they get all the calls. Like, it's it's so obnoxious right now. I I wish here's, there were a way. Here's the example I want to give. It's too much. Here's the example I want to give. We coached a high school football game this year, uh, where there was a. If you were watching it, a clear roughing the passer penalty, a clear personal foul. But the ref didn't see it because he's doing his job and watching the line. Right? Here's the thing. Do I do I get upset when when things don't go my team's way? Yeah, I do. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest about that. Do I play it up for the podcasts? I think it's funny. Sure, I do that sometimes. Do I legitimately get angry other times? Absolutely, all on that. But here's the thing. As long as you have human officials you're going to have things that get missed, right? Yep. You're, you're, you're just going to have things that get missed. So am I really all that worried when I, when I see, you know, a guy a, a yard and a half downfield? No, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not. And the calls were clearly going. I thought the Niners were getting the lion's share or not the lions, but the Niners were getting the lion's share of the calls early in that game. Um, and I just don't know how the league can rig a guy hitting the ball off his foot uh, on a punt and and how any of that can happen. I, I don't understand those things. But that's where Twitter, X, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's got to get under control. Like we got to um, get people have lost their damn minds. This is the thing with conspiracies, right? The amount of people that you have to get to stay quiet on on stuff like that. You, there's simply there's simply no way that those that any amount of people once you get past five or six, right? Maybe that any, anything over 10, you can't count on people staying quiet, right? There, there will be somebody who talks, right? There will be somebody who lets it get out. It's just not, it's not that way. And anybody who comes out and says the league is rigged is, is just sour grapes at this point. It's either a bit or it's sour grapes. And it's usually a combination of both. Hey Zach, what did you think of the uh, what did you think of the game? I'll give you a chance to kind of analyze for the first time, and uh, let me know what uh, what kind of you took away from it. Um, I thought it was an enjoyable game. I know a lot of people complained about the first half and that it wasn't exciting. You know, the fact is, people just like points. Um, they don't see everything else that's going on. So that's where that criticism comes from. Um, I thought the game was good. It was it was back and forth. Uh, in the second half, we had some turns. We had high drama with overtime. Um, a lot of decisions that can be debated, which I think is part of the fun. Um, it, w- it was a good Super Bowl. I had, I had no complaints. 
I agree. I actually really like this game as well. I thought the game was well played. Now, I certainly, I think the fallout afterward is very interesting. And I think that's where the lion's share of our podcast discussion is going to go because I think a lot of people want to talk Shanahan. Um, there's certainly some news out of San Francisco today that I think is very interesting, which I know Ryan has opinions on and I know you have opinions on as well. But the game itself, um, I thought was good. Like people... Uh, maybe wanted to kill Purdy on something. I thought Purdy played well. Uh, I, he had a bad stretch in the middle of the game, but I thought when he needed to make plays late, he made plays, and he was very good early. Uh, I just I thought I, Mahomes was I, great. Go ahead. No, no go I'll, ahead, I'll please. Let you finish. I I'm jumping over. I just said I thought Mahomes was great. I thought Mahomes came up big, even though Pacheco wasn't phenomenal at running back this game. I didn't think it was his best game. I thought Mahomes made just a just an ass ton of plays and. Uh, again, when the money was on the line, Andy Reid knew how to call the right play at the right time, and Spagnola knew how to call the right defense at the right time and force them into some tough situations. And I thought that was really the difference in the game. Other than that, a, a very interesting and a very fun game indeed. Fire back with your Purdy shot, your, your shot there. Yeah, I just think that like if you watch him, I'm not saying that he was bad, right? But he is just he is not built for that moment like Mahomes was. And the reality is that in this league at quarterback, um, having a guy who doesn't cause you problems is not good enough. You need a guy who solves problems. And Mahomes solves those problems with that Purdy does not. Right. And and we can say that he made some plays down the stretch, but he didn't make the big plays, right? They didn't get in the end zone in those in the last drive, right? They didn't get one if they get one more first down, right, at the end of regulation, like it's a non issue. So I just they're able to take the clock down, right, and kick and the game is over. So I just think that you know, they were they were outgunned at quarterback. They were outgunned at coach. Um both defenses played pretty well, but it was part of I mean that was right when we made our predictions two weeks ago. That's why I took the Chiefs. That's very fair. Then it really played out a lot like you thought it would. I'll give you a lot of credit on that one. Ryan, your thoughts on the game? Uh, anything that you want to add on to what Zach said or what I said? Or take it a different direction? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if you're looking at, at the Niners here, I, I think that you know you, you wonder if this game is different for them, especially if, uh, if Greenlaw doesn't get hurt when he gets hurt. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it was such a I mean, bad break. You lose an all-pro middle linebacker in that defense, and and it really changes the game for you. And you're already down uh, Hufanga from the middle of the year uh, at safety, who is uh, kind of their key, their their sort of you know you know spark man on defense. You know, it, it, you just wonder if it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. You just lose too many playmakers on defense. It just yeah. hurts. And it and I think part of it, like it wasn't just losing him. But having to go to Oren Burks, like he got beat in coverage over and over again, right? They yeah. targeted him nine times for nine completions, and you know, and he's a former Packer. Like we've seen, I've seen it with him before, right? He's been the backup and plunged into roles where he's had to play, and it, it was a tough spot for him to be in, and um, he did not rise up to that occasion for sure. Yeah, and and Kansas City's a team that is just so well prepared for every outcome where they're so creative and they can just change things on a dime because everybody's on the same page where 
if a guy goes out who's a guy that you didn't want to target before and the backup is somebody you do want to target, suddenly they've got 100 plays they can go to to get Kelsey over the middle, you know, where he's in coverage against Burks. And it's it's just such a difficult position to put a defense in where, you know, this is really the first game in a playoff situation in two years where you've seen Nick Bosa really have an impact and it didn't matter. And and it's it's probably because you know you lose Greenlaw and and you lose the ability to to play behind that defensive line. And you talk about how Pacheco is is you know didn't play his best game at running back. This is arguably the best front four that they played against all year, right? I mean that that this this 49ers front seven is very 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 good. Uh, and and I just I just wonder if you know. You know, you, you lose those guys in the back end and Kansas Patrick Mahomes is just such a, a creative quarterback where when things break down and he gets flushed from the pocket is where he's more dangerous because if he can freelance and play creatively, then he's just going to find something and try something. And if he fails, he fails and he, he just kind of lets that roll off his back. But he's just so good at creating things out of nothing without making massive, massive mistakes, with the exception really of, of the interception he threw right out of halftime, right? Where he misses Kelsey high and it ends up right in the defense's hands. And that leads me to my next point, which is how many missed opportunities the Niners had in this game uh, to to capitalize on the mistakes the Chiefs made early. I remember I was sitting at, at the Super Bowl party I was at and I looked at, at my father-in-law and I said, man, if this is you know even 10 nothing at halftime, I worry if I'm the Niners just because you don't want to let the, the the Chiefs hang around because they're just a team that comes back. They're always better in the second half because their adjustments are always good. They're well coached. They they play well. They know each other very well. But you think about you know the was it two or three touchdown throws that Purdy overthrew because Chris Jones was in his face. You think about the the uh, uh, the two or three times that they had opportunities on short fields that they ended up having to settle for field goals, including in overtime where, where you have to settle because you can't make it happen on third down. And that's the difference at quarterback, right? I I think that, you know, if you're looking at the keys to the game for me, it's Dre Greenlaw's injury and missed opportunities for the 49ers in the, in the red zone. I think some of those missed opportunities, you have to question some of the play calling, right? They had that interception and I think they threw the ball six of the next seven plays in the third quarter. And we go look back at it and say, well, they didn't do anything in the third quarter. Well, the third quarter was right. I mean, they threw the ball so much. And so that's right. You know, I saw people trying to defend Purdy too and say like, Oh, he was, you know, he didn't play defense, you know, and they should have run the ball more. I'm like, well, you're literally saying the problem was they tried to use Purdy more, you know? And so I just think that there's some questionable there and we can talk about some of the other questionable decisions, maybe, from Shanahan and company as well. But, um, you know, I I think that if you swap quarterbacks in that game, San Francisco wins, right? I mean, do we have any yep. doubt of that? I don't think so. I, I'll, I'll agree yeah. with that. And if you – okay, what if you swapped head coaches? Yeah, I think that's um... – you know, I, I, it's hard to put it all I, on I, Shanahan, but I, I think yeah, I think I'm, no, I'm not as convinced there. in that one that as it's for sure. Yeah, but I think also that they're more likely to win than lose. Um, and so I think if you're if you're asking me when the switch happens, I think if you switch them at the beginning of the season, San Francisco is absolutely the Super Bowl champion. If you're if you're switching them just before the game, I don't know, but the the level of preparation that clearly that that. Kansas City put in throughout the season 
getting ready for this situation is so it's far and away more prepared than anything we saw from San Francisco on Sunday. And and I, I think that's not just talking about the overtime decision to take the ball and who knew what rule right. or what, because that I I think that's been a little overblown um, in the first time that this has ever happened. Right. And I will, I will take their explanation of, we thought that, Hey, if it's tied, right after two possessions we get the chance to score and win and it's over right i think there's some merit to that and i think there's some merit to saying we wanted our defense to get a break right they were just out there we wanted to give them a break i think there's there's some value in that but i also think and i thought this before it kind of all came out like if you're if you're going second like the chiefs this game is not going into a third possession unless maybe yeah. Right, I think the way the way it, the, the only way it goes is right if they both kick field goals, like something happens weird that the Chiefs can't get down there where that and you both have to kick field goals, or and I don't I would like to hear this if Shanahan had scored a touchdown first, would he have gone for two? Mm. Because then I say, okay, if I if I go first and I go for two, it doesn't matter what my defense does. Because if I give up eight again, I get the ball first, and then if I score first, I win. Correct. So there, there is some merit to that, but that's pretty ballsy thinking to say, "Hey, I'm going to go for two if I get it first. So it's also it's also worth noting that in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs had the ball twice, and both times were field goals. So your your defense has played well against this Kansas City offense in the fourth quarter, but. Yeah, to to your point about not just being the issue of overtime and the overtime decision, I mean, it. I I thought that down the stretch, some of the pressure pressure situation play, calling the third down, the end of half stuff. That you know, I I really thought that that San Francisco made a, a series of bad decisions where they gave up opportunities to score. Do you, do you uh, do you think the defensive coordinator deserved to lose his job? Absolutely not. I don't either. I thought they played really well. Now, Me too. There's some other stuff coming out where there was, like, I mean, but this is also interesting. So basically they brought him in and said, we don't care what you do in the secondary, but you do up front with the front seven what we've done the last five years. Like, keep doing what we were doing. And I think that's a yep. tough spot to put someone in. Um, so I don't know. And if that was part of the issue there. Um, but I, I, I told you, man, like I, I brought it up in our group text, like Shanahan always seems to have a fall guy. I think that the, the thing that I, I come back to the, the last key to the game for me that, that swung this game is special teams, uh, the Kansas city chiefs. And, and this comes back to the Wilkes conversation too. Um, the chiefs in their first nine drives, right. The, for, through the, through the third quarter until two minutes left in the third quarter. Went punt, punt, fumble, punt, field goal, interception, punt, field goal, punt. That's good defense. That is a good defensive game from San Francisco through the third quarter. The only time that you give up a a touchdown to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl is with two minutes and 32 seconds left in the third quarter after after your special teams unit gives up a muff punt and your defense has to come back out onto the field. That That is good defense. And then you give up two field goals in the fourth quarter, right? That's your offense needs to do more to help your defense when that's what you're getting. 
And I also think it's fair to suggest, too, that if you don't want things to change on your defense, then why not just do what you did before when you promoted D'Amico Ryans uh, after Robert Sala left? You don't change anything. You just move the next guy up. You elevate that guy, keep the system the same. Why not just do that again and have the next D'Amico Ryans take the coaching job instead of going to an outside guy, bringing an outside guy in, and then telling the outside guy don't change anything? Uh, and the outside guy did a hell of a job. Like poor Steve Wilkes. Like that guy has had maybe the, I mean, he's done okay for himself money wise, probably, but the guy's been fired a million times. I don't even know if it's all been his fault. Uh, it's just been some, some bad luck and bad circumstances. You think you're going to a great team that you'll have some stability in your coaching career. Finally, and you're axed after one year. Uh, let me throw you a couple of listener mailbag questions. And it kind of plays along to what you were talking about previously, uh, given the coin toss strategy, things like that. But I'll talk to both my football coaches with this one. As our guy Ty sends in, do you believe the 49ers had a plan for the coin toss given the cluelessness of the players and the odd explanation? Sounds like Zach, uh, John Lynch, what he said earlier this week, maybe says all of the reasons that you brought up make sense. That, hey, we've got to give the defense a break, wanted to maybe try to get a chance to score afterward. But the fact that the players didn't really know the rules it seems like an odd thing. Uh, Shanahan wanting the ball third. I understand that. So Chiefs players all seemed aware of the new rules and it appeared had a strategy. Is that, do you, do you see some, some differences with that? And then finally, Ty asked how much of the pie chart of praise goes to Reed and how much to Mahomes, uh, similar to the Tom Bill Belichick situation. What is Patrick without Andy and vice versa? That's a lot of things. So lots of stuff from Ty. Lots of stuff yeah, from let's Ty. Let's pick one and start. Where, where do we, we want do, to start with that? Do you want to finish off the coin toss piece? Where does Shanahan get heat for this? I'll start. Zach, you brought it up, so I'll let you have it first. Um, you say, I, again, I think the reasons Lynch and Shanahan gave are valid, but the fact that the players didn't know it and that they hadn't really even discussed the strategy of it, um, is, that, is that something or nothing? And the Chiefs seem very aware of the strategy. Something or nothing there. I don't know if necessarily them all needing to know the strategy is the most important thing. But I think that they need to know, like, the rules. Right? Could you imagine if they had scored a touchdown on their opening drive? Yeah. Would they have all poured on the field? Would they? Would they? Would somebody have dumped the Gatorade bucket on Shanahan and the game wasn't over? <laughs> like, could you imagine that chaos? Um, and every year you hear a player if a game ends in a tie. Anytime a game ends in a tie, what do you get a player back? I didn't know a game could end in a tie. It's like, how long have you been watching football, bro? Like everybody knows this. They don't really watch football like, anymore, Tim. Players. No, do it's not true. Watch. They don't. <clears throat> they watch highlights. That's true. I, I think. I think it's easy to overlook this too. Um, because they won the game, but Patrick Mahomes pointed out that Miko Hardman didn't know that they won the game when he caught, when he caught that touchdown. Mm. So he, the reason that Hardman wasn't celebrating was because Mahomes had to run to him and tell him that he won. So it, it kind of, it kind of cuts both ways here a little bit where, in you know, fairness, Miko Hardman only played like six snaps. He probably didn't know what was going on. That's <laughs> he fair. did say he had a blackout he, moment. Like he didn't remember anything that happened after he, he caught it. He's also the uh, uh, the first player to play for the Jets and win a, win a Super Bowl since like the seventies. But uh, the <laughs> the uh, the funniest part about that last touchdown for me before we move on here is just the uh, if you watch Travis Kelsey in on that last play when when to. when the when the safety comes with him he stops and looks at the jumbotron 
because he knows what's coming. He knows what the play is. Yeah. So he, he'll stop. He looks up, throws his hands up, touchdown. They win. He celebrates. It's, it's a great, a great illustration of just knowing what's happening on the field around you at all times, right? If he comes with me, we win the game. And that's exactly what happens. And you called it, Zach. You said it's like brilliant play design. Uh, when we talked, you and Ryan and I were talking about it in the group text afterward, you had pointed out that that this play is like almost a surefire winner every time, that it's a really a brilliant scheming of the guy in motion. And an, an example, like I think that you pointed to when you were talking about the coaching disparity a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a, um, this isn't a new play. No. Right? This isn't a new thing. In fact, I'm, uh, that that's what, um, and, and overbeat Anoka with it to go to their first state tournament, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That's what they ran. <clears throat> yeah. The, the that, example that I brought up, to, I was the example I brought up to Tim the other day was, uh, the 2016 national championship game. Clemson ran this to beat Alabama. Yeah. And so in, in the interesting thing, like with, with the Andover one is actually everybody goes with the motion guy and the tight end catches it. Um, you know, the, def- the defense defended it the other way. They panicked and went the other way. So yeah, stats, you know, stacking guys on the goal line is tough to defend. Right. And so, because you're, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're passing man to man off to each other, right? I've got the outside guy. You've got the inside guy. So when they, when they motion and they're stacked, that's when the defense starts to communicate of passing it off. Right, so that ball needs to be snapped when they're stacked, because now hmm. it causes confusion of who's got who in the man-to-man look. And then when that guy bounces back out, right, that's a whole other layer to it. Then, of right, they're assuming that guy's going to go in, and the tight end will be the guy coming out. So when they go back, it makes it really difficult to defend. Yeah, it was really a cool play call. I know they said they've used it before. I don't know if it's the, their corn dog play or they call it that or whatever. It's very impressive. Uh, and it worked perfectly, and it, clearly they had had that in their pocket the entire game and ran it at the right time. Uh, what do you make of, Ryan, what do you make of the pie chart conversation, the pie chart of praise, as Ty likes to call it, uh, Reed versus Mahomes or Tom, you know, kind of where's Mahomes without Reed? Where's Reed without Mahomes? I think we kind of know some of that answer on the front end, but I, I think this cuts both ways a little bit, yeah? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, my answer today is different than it was a couple of days ago when you asked this question to us as you sit and think about it. I, I, I think that the job of the coach, especially at this level, is just to make sure that guys know what's coming, right? That that these are professionals and that they're, you know, they've done this for years and they've been in pressure situations. And this is a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl before, right? That your job as a coach isn't so much to, to spoon feed them stuff like it is kind of at Zach and my level, right? That his job is really just to make sure that the right guys are in at the right time and that Mahomes has options in that situation, right? I wouldn't be surprised if this came out that, you know, that last play was Mahomes had three plays in his, in his headset and he chose the one that, that fit what they saw on defense uh, or, or the personnel package that they saw coming out on defense, and that's what they ran. So, for me, I think that it's it's probably fifty-one forty-nine Mahomes Reed uh, in 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 getting in 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 winning this Super Bowl, and that I think that 
Reed kind of held the team together when they were frustrated at halftime and that, you know, he does his job and, and keeping guys focused and putting them back on the field. And Mahomes gets the 51% for me where, uh, you know, he goes out on the field and really orchestrates multiple excellent drives to close that game out, especially that last one where, you know, he's, he's running around and he's making stuff up as he goes and he's, he's improvising and finding the the solution to the problem that the defense is presenting him. And he just does that better than anybody else. So I, I think putting, putting the players in position gets you 49%, actually executing it as, as the leader of that team gets you 51. I give a little more credit to the quarterback. Um, but first I think it's different than when we talk about uh, Bill and Tom because yep. they weren't working on the same side of the ball. That's true, right? Where where these two are, um, so I think that the quarterback gets a little more credit for some of the play making. I think that you know his there where where Andy Reid's really valuable is in making up for the lack of other weapons. Right, we we kind of saw, saw that Kelsey is a little bit on the decline from where he's been. He's still great, but he's not what he was. They don't have Tyreek Hill, right? That's where you make up with Andy Reid. Andy Reid is able to scheme some of those things and have guys wide open, right, to give you some easy stuff, so that the quarterback doesn't have to make a phenomenal play every play. That's where I think his value comes in here too, as well. Um, also, with you know, like Ryan said, some of the leadership. I mean, he's been there how many times now? Right. And, and that yeah. credit yeah. to Spagnuolo yeah. too. He's been there a bunch as well. So um, I, I was probably closer to 60, 40, maybe, you know, 55, 45 uh, in favor of the quarterback. That seems right. I, I, I like, yeah. Andy Reed is the good. The thing I'll give Reed is that like, maybe what's different than him and Belichick is that Reed did have 10 years or 11 years of pretty good stuff in Philadelphia. They went to a Super Bowl, They lost, went to many NFC title games with McNabb. We could argue that McNabb is not half of McNabb without Andy Reed. Um, because as soon as McNabb went somewhere else, he wasn't very good and was out of the league very quickly. Uh, and some would argue that maybe Reed really maxed out Donovan McNabb, uh, and then you come here and he maxes out Alex Smith and gets the most out of him, the most anybody's ever gotten. Um, so I think there were some there were some bona fides already there for Andy Reid as opposed to maybe Belichick. But I, there's no question that giving him an elite-level guy like Mahomes has definitely turned like a good career, a really good coaching career, into a great career, uh, in, into a career that is... Uh, above and beyond what I think people expected. And now we have to start looking at Mahomes in that pantheon, right? He's, you know, we got to start three Super Bowls already out of four, four appearances. That puts him, you know, what is that? How, same amount of Super Bowls as Manning? Or is that one more than Manning? One more. Manning so has two. One, one more than Manning. That's one more than Elway. It's one less than Montana. It's the same amount as Aikman. You start I, looking at the list, and Mahomes is – I mean, Brady's in another world still, but what Mahomes is, he, is doing is – yeah. I, well, he's seven. He went to ten Super Bowls. This, this is my point, though, right? relax and, a little bit. But he, he did that over the course of 20 years. Yes. Right? He and, he and Mahomes have played the exact same amount of games to this point. Yes. Right? The exact same. Nine, right? 96, 
games in, we can look yeah. at them and compare it at 96 games. Fair. And and Mahomes leads Brady in every single statistical category and award category. That's different. That doesn't really very different different animal entirely, though. I understand that. I understand. But I'm saying you have a guy with the with a the level of production of of a of a guy like Dan Marino at this point, right? Who's winning Super Bowls at the rate of Brady. He needs right? to, and that's, yeah. that I think is is the thing. Is Brady was the winner. He statistically he wasn't approaching guys like like Manning until later later in his career, right? Where he was never he was never throwing for for the amount of yards that like Peyton he Manning was. Yeah, he was throwing to Dion Branch and David right. Patton and a bunch of and a bunch 100%. of guys in the first three years of his career. I, I think hundred percent. I think part of the credit that Tom gets that maybe we'd like to see from Mahomes here to to further his argument. Is is Tom did it with different groups of guys, yeah, right. There were he had different different coordinators, yeah. But I mean, just even the skill guys, right? Think of all the skill guys that went through there in his twenty years, and he was winning them, you know, early and late. You know, so I mean, arguably the best offensive skill guys he had, they didn't win it. It's true, yeah. you know. And he still had that long, I would argue his, his best offensive numbers came in his thirties. Like when he had Edelman and, you know, and Welker and all those guys, that's when the numbers started to really come around for Tom. He was winning with sort of moxie, um, making plays with, you know, throwing it to Kevin Falk in the backfield and, you know, making things happen late in games. But remember, don't get me wrong. No, no disrespect, but still we, right. Well, we just right. The better numbers came and stuff, but part of that, like we talked about, like, it's just a different game. There was yeah. there was a time where the Vikings had the high power defense, right? And the Patriots were coming into town, and the Patriots went five wide against them basically the whole game, and that was like shocking to people, right? And that wasn't that long. <laughs> That's though, true, right? Like, oh my god, they went five wide all the time and didn't run the ball all night. They just passed the whole night. Yeah, people were like he threw it sixty times. What? And it's like that happens all the time now. Well, and, and and I think that if you want to talk about the weapons conversation and winning with different guys, we're kind of starting to see that for Mahomes now, right? Who who did he have other than Kelsey this year, right? We he he didn't have. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling dropped every important ball that went his way. I th- I think we we think that Rice is pretty good. Yeah, Easy. I think I, yeah, I think he can be. I agree. Part of that's drafting too, right? Belichick can't draft a receiver to save his life. Uh, if he's not a, a plucky white guy who can play from the slot, uh, <laughs> I think that that's a valid criticism of Belichick as a GM. He just never really developed wide receiver talent outside of those guys. Um, I would I would also argue this is the best defensive group they've had in Kansas City. Yep. Yeah, with Mahomes, right? I, I saw I saw comparisons uh, that in certain spots statistically they were better than the two thousand Ravens, where. They were they were generating more pressure. They held teams to fewer points. They you know they 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 I think they allowed maybe I don't know if they allowed a single game over twenty eight points this year, and that's that's crazy in the modern NFL to not allow uh, any a single team to go over twenty eight points. And you paid played the Bills twice, and you played the Ravens on the road. Like to not give up any to not give up a four score game is crazy. 
Who- and Mahomes also said it himself. He's like, I'm not on Brady's level yet because I couldn't beat him. I didn't beat him in a Super Bowl, didn't beat him in an AFC championship game. So I guess I can't figure that piece out. So, But I think he's already in that pantheon of top, certainly top five guys, right? Like you yeah. can't discount Montana. You can't discount Brady. But I got him ahead of a lot of dudes already seven years into his career. Like he could stop playing tomorrow and be a top you know, top six, seven guy all time, maybe top five. Ryan, what, uh, and never play another down. What, what team put up the most points against the chiefs this year? That's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head with that face. I got to guess. I, I got to bet it's the green Bay Packers. Yeah, it was the green Bay Packers. The <laughs> Jordan love. But I think that, I think that leads into a different, uh, an interesting conversation too, about, about Andy Reed and how, you know, how he prepares these guys versus Kyle Shanahan, right? Who, you know, there were stories about this prior to the Super Bowl that, that Andy Reid is very much a laissez-faire, right? I want to let my skill guys get to know each other, right? Everybody kind of gets to know each other in the pot sort of thing. And and we, you know, they get creative together. Uh, it's an office reference. I, I, I'm <laughs> laughing. Good uh, stuff. But the, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy, Andy Reid's chilly offense, just let everybody get to know each other. Um, and they get creative and they do these fun things, but you hear about Kyle Shanahan being able to, at any point from his office, listen to listen into any meeting room and know what's going on at any time. And the stories about him being big brother and sort of controlling of the operation, not in a bad way, guys weren't saying it negatively about him, but just that he's got his hand in everything and everything is kind of controlled by the head coach. Uh, and that he knows what's going on at all times. And and you kind of see the stylistic differences there. And it makes you think like, you know, the development of guys like Rasheed Rice, right? Does that happen in a situation where they feel like they're constantly being watched, right? Does that happen for guys like that? I don't know yeah, if it does. You know, before we take a dump on that, I mean, Shanahan has gone to two Super Bowls. You know, he's developing some pretty young talent. Like, you know, Ayuk has done pretty well in him with his system. He's on Purdy, his, he's developing he's a quarterback. D coordinator in five years. That's not, that's not nothing. I won't dispute that. That is not nothing. Now two out of those four went and became head coaches and you can't do anything about that, but it's not nothing. You're absolutely right. I will also say criticism we had of Mike Zimmer. And if I'm going to be fair, if you're going to, you know, change your coordinate offensive coordinator every year. And I rip Mike Zimmer for that to be fair, you got to be willing to rip Kyle Shanahan for that too. I'll also point out though, that, that in all three Super Bowls that Kyle Shanahan's been a part of as kind of either a coordinator or a head coach. I can't blame him for anything as the old coordinator. I can't. Head coaches uh, take this. Uh, no, you do. You can't do that. That's not right. That offense dried up in Atlanta. They they weren't able to move the ball at all. The, the def- the, but yeah, listen, it's and, not his fault that Jake Matthews got called for like seven holding calls. And, sure. Uh, I mean, but what my, do you my do? Point, my point is, is that in all in all three Super Bowls, they had a lead and he lost. If you're the head, the head coach takes the blame on some of that stuff though. Sure. I don't hold coordinators responsible for, for, I can't hold coordinators. I mean, I know Shanahan likes to hold Wilkes responsible for this Super Bowl loss, but I'm saying I don't personally do that because if you start going down that road, then, you know, I, I start to feel, I start to think that about Dan Quinn is totally exonerated and we're thrilled that Dan Quinn's the head coach at the Washington. I'm Commanders. not saying he's totally exonerated, but I'm saying the offense holds some culpability. All that, that guy does and is he, lose big games. Dan, Quinn. all that guy's ever done is lose big points. games. 
You can't you can't give up points and not not the same to guy who no, lost that game as the head coach for the Falcons gave up fifty like a fifty burger to the Packers in the playoffs. I, I, as I will say this: like I'll come down in between you guys. Yep, I I think that he does hold more culpability in this because the head coach is the defensive coach, right? So he so Shanahan is the number one offensive guy on that team. Okay, right? Fair enough. It'd be different if he if he was coaching. And Andy Reid was the head coach, and they didn't score. Then we would be like, "Well, it's Andy Reid's offense, but it's not Dan Quinn's offense." No, that's fair. I, that, I that's start fair. to, I start to look at Kyle Shanahan, and that that fun little f word starts to creep up into the back of your head when it gets to big games. That he's a fraud. Fraud. He's a fraud. He can win. You can win a lot of games, but you can't win the big one. And. So are you going to say Kevin O'Connell's a better coach than Kyle Shanahan? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you at sure? all. You sure? You yep. kind of want to say it right now, don't I you? I didn't you just, say that. Do you want to say it? Tim's trying to preview the tears pod here. Yeah. <laughs> the co- yes, we here's, do have the coaching tears pod coming up. Here's what I'll say. I've got them on the same tier. Well, that's insanity. Come on now. I, we got to stop. It's we not, know. It's not. I'm not, no, inf- I'm not inflating. I'm not inflating the- Kevin O'Connell. But if you want a preview, I've got them on the same tier. That is absolute madness. I have. Listen to yourself. I have at least 12 coaches ahead of both of them. Are you out of your mind? 12? 12 guys better than Kyle Shanahan? Yeah. Okay. Are you calling for his head? I, I think that it's a fireable offense to lose the game the way they lost it. Which part of I it? I don't think he should be fired. Which part of it? I think the I think the fact that your offense completely dried up at the end of that game and, and you just couldn't you couldn't take advantage of the of the of the gifts that you were given in that game with the talent that you have. This is the most complete roster in the NFL. Right? The most complete roster you have. So do we blame Kyle Shanahan for the missed extra point? By any measure, you have the best offensive line in football. You have the best running back in football, and you're not running the ball, right? You, you, they at times they went completely away from the run, which is completely inexcusable. You have the lead, and you're not running the ball. You have the best defense in football, and you can't you you you're getting stops, but you get a short field, and and they score, and you're firing your defensive coordinator after the game. They they are most for the most part pitching a shutout, and you can't score enough to to make that work. I I I don't know, man. I you have opportunities to win a Super Bowl and you don't, and to me that's on the head coach in this situation. I I, I think that the offense was the problem on Sunday. Does Shanahan get the blame for the missed extra point or the fun or the muffed punt off the foot of the special teams guy that led to a touchdown? Yes, because special teams is about precision and your team wasn't there. They weren't prepared. They weren't prepared. Those things. So that's his fault that that guy was an idiot was in the wrong spot. the The buck stops with him, man. All of this comes down to him. All of it. If you don't do your job as the head coach in the biggest spot in the game, how can I blame the quarterback? For problems on special teams, how can I blame the blame the defensive coordinator for problems on special teams when the head coach can't get his offense going? He's an off supposed to be an offensive guru, can't get the offense going, and his special teams, which is all about preparation and precision, isn't doing their job. 
That's on the head coach. Oh, God. I, so, I think you're contradicting yourself a little bit when you're blaming him in Atlanta then. And then now blame him here with the buck stops with him. Maybe. And the, the Atlanta thing's mostly just to inflate the numbers, but he has lost two Super Bowls when he had the lead. Yeah. Oh, as a head coach. To Andy Reid. Listen, listen. He So he throw made, throw out throw out the thing with Atlanta if you want. He made some questionable decisions. Right? They had they had the chance to put it away, it felt like, early in this game. And they were unable to capitalize. Um the extra point thing, right? Like, I know it's easy to go, well, to kick the extra point and to win the game. We don't know. That, that might have ended up with... We don't know that. Right? The, I agree. The, the it changes the game. Out. It changes the momentum of the game. It changes the way the oh, game, the sure. tenor of the game. Right. And but the you're made, right. It doesn't guarantee the game. Right? Now, at the end, the Chiefs are in the same situation they were in in overtime. They got two minutes, you know, but... Well, the time didn't matter, right? But they had the two-minute drill. You know they're going for it on every fourth down. Like, I don't know that they would have stopped them there either, right? They That game was played by both teams to go to overtime when it got to that point. But it couldn't that's have fair. gone to overtime if they had the extra points. So that's all I'm saying. Um, I, th- I think he definitely needs to have some culpability here. Listen, he has moved a couple times at quarterback now. That is true. Right? I won't He's, dispute that. The, de- the defensive coordinator stuff has switched a few times. Um, like at some point they need to finish the job here. Right. And they can't keep, I mean, the GM keeps borrowing from the future by trading for guys in season. Um, at some point that's going to catch up with them. So I don't, you know, I think there, there is some culpability there now. I, are they the favorites in the NFC next year? I don't know. I don't know with that current quarterback situation, if they are. Hmm. Do they win this game if Kirk Cousins is their quarterback? No. I don't well, probably not. Same result. It was a night Same game, result. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a prime time game. There was a big crowd. I don't know if he's gonna <laughs> I, I let's I don't know. I We'll do a quarterback tiers pod too. I'd be interested to hear that conversation. Will we also find out that Kyle Shanahan stole Ryan's girlfriend in uh, junior high? Will we come to find out that there is something very personal going on between Kyle Shanahan and Ryan? Let, let me ask you guys a little bit here, too, because I feel like there's been a lot of people jumping on him a little bit, right? And some warranted and some maybe not warranted. Do you think that they have taken on like a a little bit level of hatred just because they've been there so often now and they're struggling. Right. I mean, it came mm. up in that bills 30 for 30, right? Mm. People started to not root for them because I, f- I feel like there would have been a lot more people on the chief side. It felt like the people who were not on the chief side were because of Taylor Swift. I think that's true. Right. Like they had bought into this Taylor Swift NFL conspiracy theory. Not even conspiracy that this was, theory, but even just they were like, oh, we're sick of seeing her. And it's like, well, you're only seen her for a minute, but. Yeah, you've seen her for 54 seconds, but that don't yeah. let that get in the way of a good story. So I don't know. I just, yeah, it feels like they, I, you know what? And here's maybe part of it. I I think that there are people out there who don't like the 49ers 
because they moved up, they took a quarterback in the first round, they blew it, and seemingly it hasn't cost them a whole lot, right? I think we talked about that before on this pod. I think that, yeah, like, I, like, I wonder you know, if right? that's not something. If you're a Bears fan, you're like, fuck those guys, right? Like, <laughs> we messed this up and we're, we got to do this every three years. You know, those guys mess it up and they go play in the Super Bowl anyway because they back into a quarterback. I think there's something to that, like some of the the dislike. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and I think you if, know, yeah, if you're whole, a, a, they've got five Super Bowls, they, you know, whatever. I think yeah, I think if you're like a, yeah, if you're a Jets fan or a Vikings fan or a Bears fan and you're sitting there wanting a taste and you start looking around, even if you're a team like Miami and you're like, fuck, it's been 40 years since we've been to a Super Bowl. You know, it's been 50 since we, the Vikings have been to a Super Bowl and you're just sitting there going like, how do these assholes keep, you know, finding their way there with seemingly, uh, you know, we think we've done everything right. You know, we think we've played free agency right. We think we've drafted right. We think we've done everything right. And how are we still getting beat by these clowns? Like, I don't understand. Like, I get it. If you're one of those teams like the Bears or whatever, yeah, your frustration level's got to be through the roof. I don't if know you're the Lions who had them by the balls. I, I don't know how you can be the Bears and look at them and say we've done everything right. Uh, the no, Lions, but I mean, like, like, they, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that, I'm not saying that the Bears have done anything right, but I'm what I'm saying is, is like, if I'm the Bears and I'm like, well, yeah, you take the wrong quarterback, it should set you back three years. Yeah. yeah. Anybody? I mean, part of that credit to the, anybody credit to the GM for for building a good roster, though. No, that's true. And no, I mean, what I mean by saying doing everything right, the Bears do what they're supposed to do, right? You trade up, you draft a franchise quarterback in the first ten picks, you do everything that the playbook tells you to do, and they get the guy at the last pick of the draft in the seventh round, and he's better than everybody else you've drafted. I mean, I think that's just. It's just like the the law of it, right? I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. Uh, we are at 51 minutes. We've talked about one game. We didn't even talk about Jason Kelsey uh, or Travis Kelsey running into his coach and almost killing Andy Reid early on in the game. Uh, and that being turned into Taylor Swift needs to get rid of Travis Kelsey instantly because that has domestic violence written all over it, which I saw all over social media. Uh, and kids came into my class the next day. Ooh, I didn't like that. I was concerned. I, I thought no, you showed kids, a lot of rage in that moment. I was kids like, don't watch football. Yeah. Kids watch the Super Bowl because they watch for Taylor Swift. Um, but so let's uh let's let's make our final thoughts on this one. Uh this season, it's the year Reed, Mahomes, they cement themselves. But what are your other like what are your interested as we get into the offseason? What are you kind of looking forward to over the next three, four months as we kind of look into free agency? the draft kind of how the league shakes itself out. Ryan, where do you, where do you look here in the next two, three months? Draft. Draft. <laughs> draft. I've been on the draft for a solid month. Uh, so I love free agency and stuff doesn't interest you at all. Like nothing nah, like that. Not really. I, I I'm interested in, in some of the decisions that some teams are going to make. I think teams like Miami have interesting choices to make as far as financial you know, who, who can they sign and who has to walk uh, for them just because of, you know, the decisions they've made to do things like sign Tyreek Hill and, and, and some of the offensive line moves that they've had to make. Um, so I'm interested in that, but the off season is one of my favorite times a year, just because, you know, while I love watching football, the business of football is one of my favorite things. I love the scouting side of it. I love the draft. I love the combine free agency is fun, but I know those guys and, you can kind of plug and play and see who ends up where and, and that 
for me, that factors more into who gets drafted where uh, than it does, uh, uh, you know, really mattering who gets picked or who signs where. So um, I think that's the more interesting side of free agency to me is how it impacts the draft. What about you there, Zach? What are you looking at here for the next one to three months or so? Are you kind of got a storyline in your head? Um, I don't know if there's a major storyline. Um, I think, you know, it'll be interesting locally to see what happens with the quarterback. Um, and then just, you know, on a personal level, I'm excited to see what happens in Green Bay because I think they're on the come now again and um, looking forward to that. So it's a, it was a fun year. I was going to ask earlier if anybody wanted to eliminate someone for next year already, but... <laughs> yeah. The New York Jets have been eliminated. Uh, uh, Carolina Panthers. I think, yeah. yeah. I feel like Carolina still got to be at least a year away, right? Of course, we said that about Houston, and we were totally wrong. One draft pick later, and well, really two with Tank Dell and CJ Stroud. They turned it Bro, around. Don't, and Will Anderson. don't sleep on Will Anderson. Yeah, Will Anderson. They, they nailed the draft this year, and that's one draft and a couple signings, and a good coach can change things very quickly. So yeah. who knows? Maybe Dave Canales is like the greatest coach ever. Not sure I'm buying that yet, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so that's I'm looking forward to this division. I think Zach kind of touched on it. I think this division is very interesting right now. The NFC North uh, with Detroit having to come back as the hunted and not the hunters and Green Bay in this position of like real excitement, feeling like, oh, man, maybe we got our guy and we got this really young team and that could be interesting. The Vikings could be a very different team one month from now than they are right now, depending on what Kirk does and depending on if they decide they're going to sign JJ to a big deal or if they're going to move him. Uh, and the Bears, you know, the Bears hold some leverage with the number one pick in the draft. What are they going to do? Um, are they going to keep it? Are they going to trade it? What are they going to get for it? Is they going to get a haul for it? Um, do they like Justin Fields? Will somebody trade for Justin Fields? I think there's, this division has a lot of really interesting storylines, and I think I'm going to really be interested to see how it plays out over the next uh, month or two. So that's where we're at. That is the football pod, everybody. We now go to Dad Talk, uh, Valentine's Day edition. Very special Valentine's Day edition of Dad Talk. Not according to Zach. He immediately shakes his head. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's with, nothing to report here with everyone down this week we literally looked at each other i think it was yesterday and just said we can do valentine's day later like we have you know we haven't been able to do anything all weekend to prepare to get anything ready you know like i have some stuff but um i was like not yeah so we gave the kids uh some things uh the little guys before they went to bed uh i got some stuff here for carter um, I sent Brooklyn a, a large box of stuff, um, <clears throat> and her brothers did too. That got there earlier in the week, so not not a lot of Valentine's Doc over here. Ryan got a special thing happening over at his place this weekend, and uh, Ryan, I'll give you the floor to celebrate. It's happy dad talk stuff here. Yeah, kids starting to talk. Uh, Look at this guy. He's... Uh... He, he is saying a lot of different things at this point. He has picked up no way as his favorite thing to say. Uh, I think because he's heard us say it a lot. Uh, it probably hears it coming from our bedroom frequently. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no way. Uh, which, you know, good on him for listening. Uh, the, it's better uh, than stop, not right now, I'm asleep. 
you know, or I got a headache. Can you imagine him saying that well, sometimes? That'd be tell good. You, you know, the, the, the difference is not much. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, the no way thing is cute though, because you know he'll he'll drop something or throw something and see how it. You know he's all about the consequence right now. Zach has mentioned that a few times with this age group that you know that the you know the response to what happens. He loves opening doors at this point because we've got the the kind of sliding uh, uh, tracked closet doors that he loves to just pull open and see what's inside and pull the broom out and walk around with the broom. Uh, <laughs> so I I walked in on him this morning. I I was. I made his lunch because I, I go to bed and my father-in-law comes over and watches him month through, Monday through Wednesday. But uh, I went to go find him because he wasn't in the in the living room where I had uh, I put the TV on for five minutes so I could just go take care of his lunch. And I walk back around in the closet door to the the utility closet where the water heater and the furnace are, and it's open. And he's sitting inside just playing with one of the water pipes. Uh, and I pick him up. I said, "Nope, get out of there. We don't want you in there." And he goes, "No way." Uh, set him down. He runs off. He does his thing, but okay. yeah, we're getting a lot of, a lot of words happening right now. He says football frequently where, uh, I'll be playing Madden just during the morning. So I don't want him watching TV, but he needs something on in the background or he freaks out. Uh, and, uh, I'll just be playing Madden and he runs around and he'll stop, look up and go football and just keep running. So there you go. So here's a little preview of what you have to look forward to. Uh, today we're, in the living room and Huck says that he had a bad dream about the neighbor dog. And oh, no. but, but Huck, Huck is in order. He is, he tells you this story with 10,000 words and you're not quite sure you're catching all of it <laughs> as he works on his enunciation and stuff. It's got a very right? clean problem solution. But and, so uh, he knows yes. how to work it out. So he's talking about his nightmare about the neighbor dogs and Gehrig is playing with magnet tiles, and just under his breath, he mutters, fucking neighbor dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and Caitlin and I looked at each other, and of course, right away, we both try to blame each other. And I probably say that word too much around them, but those neighbor dogs are her pet peeve, so I blame her for it. Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty What if he goes weird. out to the car the next day? You fucking neighbor dogs. I can just see. Well, they're just out there all the time. Like I, I swear they must they must have like a dog door that they can run out at any moment. Because mm. man, as soon as our back door opens, like and they can't see each other because there's a privacy fence. But as soon as our back door opens, they just go nuts. And then our dogs start barking. And then they're at the fence barking at each other. They're trying to dig at each other. It's just a mess since they got this other German Shepherd over there. So, um, Oh, and they're big dogs too then. Oh, yeah. So they're not even little we, yippy we dogs. dogs. They're just big dogs. They yeah. They got big fucking dogs. They got two German Shepherds and two other ones. So, um, yeah. So that was our... <laughs> our uh afternoon here um other other some dad talk stuff uh brooks roommate is moving out in college oh oh so Uh-oh. is it get was there friction there was friction um oh no i just i think anytime you have four you know young women trying to live together that is gonna 
Yeah, that's the stuff of that's the stuff of reality um, TV right there. And it just I mean, it you know from what I was told, like there's just there's some boundary issues and and things came to a head and they had a meeting and it was kind of like, well, it's you or me and the other two girls who live in the other room of the suite kind of wanted Brooke to stay. And um, so the other girl decided a couple days or a couple hours later that she was out. So uh, Brooke is coming home this weekend, which was already planned. And the roommate is moving out this weekend. So she will be going solo uh, for the rest of the year in her room. So Brooke and her had the exchange about boundaries and, you know, it was like uh, in that scene from Wednesday on Netflix where they draw the tape line down the middle of the floor. And uh, yeah, it, it literally that was part of it was like, you know, like both of you, like we're, we're OK with what's like whatever you do on your side of the room is fine. But just, you know, like they just they struggled to be in the room together at the same time. Mm. You know, Brooke's like, I can't study. I can't do this. I just so. um so it'll be good that they'll be uh, able to to hopefully both just you know move on and and be better now. But she's definitely looking forward to that. So we've kind of it's a good lesson to learn for young people, I think, to have to learn to deal with different people and their challenges. And you got to figure out what you can handle and what you can't. And sometimes that's college. Like that's the probably the best lesson college teaches you as far as dorm life or whatever is just like hey. You know, sometimes we, we got to deal with people we don't like, or sometimes we got to figure out what we can handle and well, what we and can't. And I feel like from, I mean, I've, you know, the stories that I've heard is this person has lived a pretty sheltered life yeah. in terms of, you know, small town, you know, real close with family, doesn't do a whole lot out, you know, always on the phone with family and things like that. And so that maybe is part of the issue. So She might be a little homesick, you know, and haven't been away from home very long. Yeah, so Brooke's excited for that. Uh, Carter, it was quite exciting, you know. So two nights ago, he had to. He's like, "I'm going going to get Valentine stuff." Look at this and guy. I'm like, All right, I'm like, good, you know. I'm like, we had talked about this a few times. Like, go ahead of time. Like, don't wait till the last minute. Go get your stuff figured out. You know, I told him like, go to the dollar store to get a card. Right, you don't need to buy a five six dollar one. You can buy a. 50 cent one like it's the thought that matters not you know women love a card yep yeah right that's what i said it doesn't seem like a big deal maybe to you and i but buy a card and so he uh he went out and came back and had uh he had a dozen flowers smart man and he had um uh what's the the turtle looking pokemon squirtle or whatever yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, of course, a, Ryan would know yeah, that. Ryan one of those. just blurted that right out. Yeah, yeah. he knew that one right uh, away. So he's actually, you know, he's on his way home now in the weather, so he should be home soon. So they had a date tonight. They went out. Yeah. They did dinner. They did all exactly that stuff. All they had planned. I think they were making dinner. And oh, we're talking about like going out somewhere. Like, well, we might go for a walk somewhere. I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, you know, the week. Good I'm luck like, with that. Yeah, it's not happening now with the weather and stuff. So I'm not sure what all they did, but um, hopefully. Yeah, it's snowing on Valentine's Day here in Mini. We haven't had any snow this winter, and here we are. We're going to get hit with five inches. And this, here is, and this is really the first time he's had to drive in like significant snow. Can, and conditions, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, we the conditions had, are tough on a Valentine's Day. Yeah, but we haven't had any snow since, right? 
all year. Early January, Early, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we haven't had any in a while. Yeah, that, nothing that really accumulated and stayed long. So, And this won't stay long either. I mean, it's five inch, four or five inches we're going to get, but we're going to be in the 40s next week again. Yep. And this is going to go go away fairly quickly. But um, yeah, that's um, wild. It, that's, <laughs> But it's good for Carter. I'm happy for him. That's uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very you know, one of those things like you, well, there you go, Ryan. Like, again, you have a ways... Until you're at this the point, circle of life. Watching Ryan, are you ready for kid number two yet? You talked about this the other day, right? Didn't you say like you need the tax return? You need a greater <laughs> tax return. So it's like if you want to go on more vacations, we need to have more kids. Uh, I know we've definitely had the conversation. I don't think that it's in the cards right now, but uh, it's definitely not far off. Um, it's more of a matter of space than anything else. You're an inside guy on Valentine's uh, Day, right? I know you beds. stay home. You cook. Yeah. Bunk beds. Yeah. Bunk beds, Rhino. No, I, I think when you get to a certain age, absolutely. I, I just don't think we have another room for another crib at this point. Uh, the, the second room we have, is pretty small. So we, um, we did, we did have two cribs, one room for a while. Um, nah, and that was not look at this guy. necessarily ideal, but it went a lot better than I probably thought it would have. Um, but I did that with my younger two as well. And Brooke was in a toddler bed when Carter was in a crib in our first of, uh, well, actually, it was our second apartment, but our first one with them. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you when the bunk beds don't work is when the kids are throwing up. That does- <laughs> so, which is what tough. we were dealing with this weekend. So uh, Garrig has been sleeping on a cot in their bedroom. Because we're like, yeah, you don't get the top bunk, buddy, in your... Yeah, yeah you got to wait on that. That You got to earn that. That's a position you got to earn back. Sorry. And he, and he, it's a long way down to the floor. You know, he opened up all of his Valentine's candy today and we're like, yeah, you can't eat any of that. Yeah. (laughs) Speak of the devil. Here comes Carter. The garage door is opening. So love it. Love it. You said you stayed home, Rhino, right? You're cooking at home now for the next, for the, for this year's Valentine. It's every year. Uh, so since we, uh, since we started dating, um, we have a tradition on Valentine's day that I make a, some kind of risotto. Um, that was the, um, that was the first thing that I made for her when we started dating was I did a, uh, uh, an Italian marinated chicken with a sun-dried tomato risotto, uh, and a cream sauce with, a, uh, a tomato sauce on it too. Um, made that when I was 16 and, uh, now we're on Valentine's day number 15. And, uh, this tonight we did a, uh, an apple and ginger risotto with Italian sausage. Look at this. You are such a beast. Look at you were Bob Flay at 16 years old making risottos. Look at this guy. I'm so impressed. We that was that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for dinner. Uh, when I was 16, I also made dessert. I did a chocolate covered cherry uh, or chocolate covered strawberry creme brulee uh, on top of that. So is it really a creme brulee if you have strawberries on it? See, here's the thing is it's not strawberries it's half a strawberry that you slice uh and you fan it out over the chocolate custard and you let that you let the custard set you put the strawberries on top and then you you glaze it with the sugar and when that when you hit it with the heat on top the strawberry juice runs through and you get the strawberry flavor throughout the entire custard it's great i had a klondike bar (laughs) (laughs) that was while we were waiting for you to i had a um I had a, I had an Uncrustable and a uh, and a Belvita dark chocolate 
sandwich cookie thingy. Yeah. It was Tim sitting over here thinking, I could have had a V8. <laughs> I could have. Wifey was working late tonight. See, that's the problem. Wife just got home like just a minute ago. So I, I did not have the opportunity to do anything. We're going to do Grizzlies Woodfire Grill in St. Cloud on Sunday. Oh, okay. that that's a great place. Last night I went to Target to grab, you know, a bunch of like Gatorade and just kind of things to try to get us to the end of the finish line. And when I walked past the Klondike bars, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get those. That's when I kind of <laughs> knew I was back. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Oh, gentlemen. Um, great stuff tonight. Obviously, we're going to watch the weather. Uh, first snowy night in mini uh, this winter, a rare snowy night, really. So we're taking it in. A lot of inches of snow on the ground. Wife's complaining, I'm sure. As soon as I get off these this podcast, I'll hear all about it. Um want to thank everybody for listening this NFL season, uh, our fourth season. This is what the impetus of the pod was in the beginning, was to talk football and hang out. And uh, we're four years in, and we're, we're thrilled that you listened all the way through. Uh, we're excited to do it again next year. We'll be back again. But in the meantime, we will fill things up. We'll have some free agent NFL pods. We're going to do some tier pods. We're using our little tier maker website. We're going to do NFL coaches. We're going to do NFL quarterbacks. We're going to do some other fun stuff. Um, it should be cool. Like I, I think we'll have some winter, some fun stuff to do over the spring as we get into the season. And of course, Zach and I have made a fervent promise for more baseball talk. That's going to happen as well. Go ahead. Zach. Uh, Carter uh, had a big smile, said everything went great, had fun. And the driving was a hot mess. Good job, Carter. He said, he said that was uh, stressful and he learned a lesson tonight on that. So we should have had Carter come on the pod for five minutes and break it down for us is what we should have had him. We'll have to get him on next time and break it down. We'll call it like dating corner. We have dad talk. We'll have date talk with Carter. We'll have to work that in as like a three minute piece at the end. He can, he can fill us all in on what's going on with his love life. Uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, like comment, subscribe, tell a friend. We'd appreciate it uh, here at the pod. If you haven't heard our peak cinema from the other night from the favorite Ryan's pick, um, it's up. It did very well. We want to thank you for listening to that so far. We really appreciate you. And until next time for Ryan, for Zach, uh, this is Tim saying, keep your head up and we'll see you.